On this episode of Resi Week, we recap Cedia 2016 from Cedia and Cedia EMEA combining to Amazon Alexa and other forms of voice control. All that and more next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 33, recorded Monday, September 19th, 2016. Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Viewy. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Access Networks. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for avnation.tv. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by my good friend Jason Knott. Jason, how are you? I'm great. Happy to be here. Thanks for being here. If you don't know Jason, he is the editor of CE Pro and one of our regulars. Then we have a uh, a newbie. A newbie. I think you're a newbie. Are you totally a newbie? I think you're a newbie. I'm a newbie. You're a newbie. So yeah. Really, really nice. Be kind, yes. Well, I won't, <laughs> but everyone else will. Uh, this is Brooks Swift. He is the CEO of iPoint Solutions. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Enjoying this so far. Excellent. That's because we haven't started. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, I've got my good friend, Tim Albright. He is the the founder and boss man of Aviation.tv. Oh, I'm not boss. Don't. No, don't, not. no. Uh, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. You... Every, every, everybody here but you was at CD last I week. I know. So. Has everyone recovered? Is everybody happy? Barely. Getting my voice back. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah, you know, We drove all day yesterday and drank a whole ton, a lot of pop, so I, I'm so wired, so I'm good. <laughs> I love it. All right, well, let's jump right in. And uh, if you haven't guessed, this is mostly going to be a CD wrap-up uh, kind of show but we're going to start it off with a quick story uh, from our good friend Ted Green over at Strategy.com. Uh, it seems that Cedia EMEA is being uh, essentially taken fully into the CDUS family. Uh, this is probably a big deal, kind of not a big deal, depending who you talk to. Uh, most people, as far as I understand it, didn't really realize that uh, Cedia EMEA, uh, or formerly Cedia UK, was just an independent organization that licensed the Cedia name, and now, of course, they're becoming a big behemoth all, all together. Uh, Jason, I, I'm assuming that you're one of the guys that knew this was, that that separation existed. Uh, what does this mean for, for Cedia, and what does this mean for, more importantly, kind of their, their international members? Uh, I I don't we're going to pretend to know what the structural um, um, stratification is over there at Cedia, but I'm you know pretty sure that a lot of this had to do with the um, the success of the Integrated Systems Europe show, which mm-hmm. the Cedia UK if, uh, Cedia UK had dropped its own show in the United Kingdom in favor of supporting ISE you know, many, many years ago, five, six, whatever it was years ago. And I don't think anybody in the world realized that ISE was going to become the massive success that it became. And again, I don't pretend to know the details, but I'm pretty sure that CDA UK had a pretty strong financial stake in the, um, 
that event over there. And part of this structural changing just has to do with the sharing of the finances uh, from the windfall from that event. Very good. Um, Tim, for people who didn't realize that they were uh, separate, Mm -hmm. are dealers, are are we perceiving dealers to uh, see anything different? Uh, the biggest, the, I think, the biggest difference is it honestly comes down to the board, uh, the, the the governing board, which I, I think is kind of cool. They they have one combined board. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, a, a good buddy of ours is is, is up for, for up for that board, uh, Mr. Yeah. Joe Whitaker. Um, well, just just to yeah, take over real quick. One of the things I love about this is when you look at the board and they have the the nominee or the nominees, the candidates uh, listed in this article. It's not. You know, a lot of times when when a U.S. company takes over kind of a non-U.S. company, yeah. um, politely, the U.S. comes in, as the U.S. tends to do, Dominates and it. the board's made up of nothing but Americans. Yeah. But this is a really good mix. They've got a couple guys uh, from England. They've got some guys from, or they've got from, some Cairo. from, yeah, from Cairo, from uh, Egypt, and from South Africa. Yeah. It, it's a nice, it's a nice mix. Sorry, not to, not to continue with no no but that, but that, that's exactly where i was going right is is the i think the biggest the biggest difference they're going to notice is the board and the fact that you've got folks from not only the us but outside the us providing perspective mm-hmm. right um we we've only been attending we've only attended isc as aviation for for 2 years and and i i fell in love with it the first year because of that perspective Yes. Uh, we have a number of both commercial and residential friends who attend it from the U.S. So U.S. integrators who go over to, to Amsterdam to attend the show for a number of different reasons. Um, but one of those is is that international non-U.S. perspective on this industry. Uh, and I think that's going to be the biggest the biggest change that folks are going to see when it comes to their local um, their local organization their their local connection to Cedia. My my feeling and, and my my understanding from reading this is that they're not going to see a difference there. Which honestly, when it comes to the nuts and bolts, how residential dealers interact with CD on a daily basis and a weekly basis, part of that's part of of honestly a very crucial point is that they don't see the difference. They don't feel any sort of difference. But when it comes right. to the governing and this and this board here, I think that's going to be one of the biggest differences and a positive one at that. Very good. Now, Brooks, as a manufacturer, um, does this does this affect you at all? It's hard to know at this point. I mean, it, we've just, in fact, talked to a couple of different people about what are our marketing plans internationally. And at this point, mm-hmm. we really didn't have any. It's for, we're very U.S. focused. But the situation like this might open the door and make it more conducive to marketing uh, to the, the, the U.K. And the, and the European countries over there. Um, I don't know. At this point, it's hard to tell. But that's all I could comment on for somebody who's just really focused in the U.S. by having a CD that is more internationally focused make make that a, an easier transition well yeah it kind of keeps uh, especially for you know a, a firm like yourself it, it gives that ability to easily scale uh, mm-hmm. your marketing globally uh, with it all under one roof right keeping with the 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 cedia the cedia talk um this week uh cedia unveiled plans for a workforce development uh that is helping to encourage uh, U.S. veterans being being hired in a transition assistance program to to help build a path in our you know home tech uh, industry. Jason, beyond uh, you know obviously 
the great thing that this this program is hoping to achieve. Are there any major hurdles that this will will cause for dealers who are looking to hire veterans? I mean, anything that CEO or any other organization can do to help uh, integrators hire people is a good thing. And, you know, it's pervasive across almost everybody that we speak to at CE Pro that that the, the growth of the industry is being limited by the fact that there's a lack of skilled technicians out there. Yeah. And even beyond that, when even their unskilled technicians, guys don't even know where to find somebody to train them from scratch. So this is a really positive development and, you know, combined with all the things that an integrator has to do to train uh, somebody to get on board uh, and hopefully rapidly onboard them from, mm -hmm. you know, uh, testing and troubleshooting to cable testing and uh, installation and termination procedures to just basic construction methods and processes. Um, you know, military people are, are going to be, uh, you know, not to be stereotypical, but they're going to be much more uh, regimented and more, um, I think, prone to be responsible on the job. So it's a, it's a great fix. Are they really just focused on the technician side of things, or uh, you know, is is it going to be a, a larger scale where they're actually talking about operations? And you know, there's many roles in a company that can be filled by somebody who does have that more of a uh, structured or foundational teaching. You know, for me in the military, mm -hmm. where they are may excel in another role other than just technician. That's a great point. Well, and that's yeah, that, that's very good. And that's what I was about to get to was, it's not just that yes you know when you go into looking at the military workforce or, or potential workforce that you've got guys that are you know technically savvy you also have a lot of guys that are and and, and girls sorry i'm not trying to uh make that distinction um but you have a lot of people that are very stop laughing at me tim you have a lot of people that you know they they understand teamwork they understand you know what it's like to show up on time and, and and you know just all of those those commitment things that the military seems to uh instill into people this to me just seems like something that is uh not only a good thing but a great thing considering how hard it is uh you know even for us or, or myself as a as a integration owner finding dedicated work you know, dedicated people for the workforce is incredibly tough, Brooks. I'm assuming that's kind of the same thing that you guys run into. Yeah. Yeah. We deal with that. And part of our job with the software is just provide tools, but we also then try to go to the next step of helping these guys do training. We do a lot of consulting and mm -hmm. that's where it gets back to. It's not just a technician role. In fact, it's, I would almost argue that's an easier role to fill than some of the other roles of actually managing a company, whether it be in the purchasing department or in a man project management. Uh, uh, there's there's other roles that need to be filled to really make a company run smoothly. Now, you know, once it grows beyond just the the few guys and out there, if, if your company's got structure, mm -hmm. those other structural components are very difficult. And I see our company struggle if just as much, not more, with those other positions than just the technician. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Traditionally, it's pretty. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's it's much easier to find somebody who can pull cable than it is who can uh, do do all the other things that that you need in a business to be successful. Tim, were you able to ascertain if there was uh, any additional tax benefits or tax breaks or incentives um, 
beyond just a a promotion of a of their program no, at least not in the states um there might be local uh local and state um incentives but nothing from a federal level um the one thing i find out i find interesting about this is this is not the only trade that's doing this um no here locally in, in, in st louis um both our pipe fitters as well as our, our uh, carpenters unions make a big deal about it and, and advertise a lot about you know we we hire we hire uh, veterans we're looking for veterans you know on on both actually it's it's a kind of a two pronged uh, marketing approach right hey we hire veterans so hire us hire union contractors because <laughs> we hire veterans and oh yeah by the way we're looking for veterans to hire we're, we we always employ veterans you should hire us because of that <laughs> yes. by the way we need a vet <laughs> please we're we're marketing this a lot. <laughs> Don't go that route. Hire one first, then market it. Um, all right, let's 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 move on to the big the Yay! big story of the day um, and of the weekend. As Tim gets very very excited, uh, this comes to us from CE Pro and our good friend Julie Jacobson. Uh, Control Four released OS two point nine. Uh, it's a lot of integration stuff, but the big words that you're probably seeing on your screen right now with that lovely photo. Is it integrates with Alexa in the U.S., not in Canada. Um, but in the U.S., it integrates with Alexa. Uh, this was not not even arguably. This was by far the biggest uh, announcement or, or or technology that that was found all across the floor. Was everyone who had Alexa integration was promoting the heck out of it. Um, and, let, and let's be clear, it wasn't just Control 4. Well, no, no, that, and that's yeah. why I said it's, it, you know, it, everybody who had it. Um, Control 4 had it. Uh, Crestron had it. Lutron had it. Um, who Sonos. Else did we... Sonos. Yeah, Sonos Elon. has it. Who was that? Alon? Alon, yeah. Alon had not it. Rele- not released yet, but it's coming. Okay. Not Vaporware, what they promise? I, I'm just saying they said it's coming. I'm just rep- reporting what I was told. <laughs> very, very good. Um, starting, uh, starting with you, Jason, is this as big of a deal as we as geeks and, and techs all make it out to be? Is this something that the, the general populace is really going to be excited about getting their feet wet? Uh, uh, to me, yes. Um, I think that it's voice control is a great, um, motivator i was mentioned to you in our, in our household uh since we got alexa the amount of interaction with uh what we've got in the home from lighting control to music to to everything has increased phenomenally and everybody in the family loves it but i think it goes beyond just alexa to you know what i kind of i guess uh, lovingly might call the the fourth net nephew of donald duck you know huey dewey louie and viewy a voice user interface. That's the new acronym. Uh, so it's, but it wasn't just Alexa. I mean, there was, um, you know, Josh uh, AI was there making a splash with Meridian and Crestron, Lutron, Sonos, Nest uh, um, um, inter- interaction. There was also voice remotes from mm-hmm. Comcast, Dish, uh, Samsung, Savant, so voice control remotes. So, Alexa is is obviously the most prominent uh, um, um, participant in the category, but it's way beyond that. Now, 
as we look at that and, and realize how beyond it is, Brooks, what is this going to mean for for the integrators? You obviously work with a ton of integrators. As far as how much of this is stuff that they're going to have to deal with on on a regular basis versus you know the client just going out and and buying one and hoping that it, it works with the majority of their their smart home products, their IoT devices. Well, it can do two things. One, I can open the door for you to actually sell something. So I think this is a product that a lot of people are on Amazon and might just see, hey, my friend's got that on order this 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 new cool gadget, but what do they do with it? And at mm-hmm. that point, it, that's the benefit is it does open the door for the integrator to then go in and say, hey, look, we can make this tie into these different products and take it to the next level. Um, the other side of that, though, that could be the negative of that is, which is, my gosh, what, what do you... I don't know what if a, if a if a homeowner walks in and they've got this and they expect it to do um, things it can't do. I guess that's the other side of it is what, mm-hmm. one of the cruxes of any AV integrator is OFE, owner furnished equipment. Yep. And it, it's anytime you're getting into the unknown. These guys work really hard to get systems in place that are structured and built around systems that they are familiar with. Uh, that they can go and turn out. They can install it, it works, they walk away and it works. And I see both sides of this. It's really cool because it opens up the door to do upsell stuff, but at the same time, it could cause a lot of headaches. And so I think that's where the integrators have to be really careful not to overpromise or start digging a hole for themselves with a new cool product like this. Uh, when it just creates so much work, it then is a detriment. Well, and you raise a really good point there. You know, when we were just selling touchscreen remotes, for example, you were you had a box that you really couldn't get out of you could tell you know you could push the button and you could tell it to turn on the tv to lower the shades lower the lights whatever but you still had that physical box and and there was a perceived understanding of limitations on that once we start looking at alexa uh in the smart home the, the the true smart home solution at what point do we hit that you know we were talking about this kind of pre show at what point do we hit the the client expectation level limit where they're expecting to come in and say, oh my gosh, Alexa, I'm cold. Mm-hmm. But and Alexa, does she, under, does she understand but, it properly? Yeah, yeah it, it becomes, it, it's that whole, you know, we're, we're delving into a big AI conversation, but at what point is that the expectation that clients have that they tell Alexa they're cold and it warms the the house up or the room they're in up versus, hey, Alexa, it's cold. Can you please turn my thermostat in my living room up to 78% or, or 78 degrees? Yeah. Tim, how big of a, I don't, I don't want to say an issue, but how big of a problem could that become? I don't think I don't see it as a problem. Let's define a couple of things here, and, and I'll agree with Jason that the number of other voice-activated interfaces was was quite substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh AI is very slick. Uh, CE Pro did a great a great interview with them. Uh, our buddy Rich Fragosa, we did a, a, a video. It, it's it's very slick. Um, it, it runs off of an app, so you have to have your phone talk into it. Um, so there's there's one drawback the the, the benefit of, of Alexa is the fact she's she's sitting there you know it's sitting there um, constantly it's only in one room so that's the the drawback to that in comparison to, to Josh AI but they have the bugs now but yes the the the, 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 the dots yes yep. um, so here's the thing 
Uh, so, so Control for it and Crestron, those are two that have what they call native um, skills. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with, with Alexa, you have to tell Alexa, typically, if you're interfacing with something other than an Amazon product, to do something. So if you want to, you, you mentioned that you're, you're cold. If you want to change your Nest or your Honeywell, you have to say, Alexa, tell Nest to make it 80 degrees in here. Okay. With, with what's called native integration or native skills, now you just have to say, Alexa, turn the thermostat to 70 degrees. And then mm-hmm. it interfaces with either Control 4 or Crestron currently. Now, something that Crestron has added to that are these, I'm going to call them like feelings, like touchy-feely, hey, mood type things, where you can say, Alexa, tell Crestron I'm cold. Right. And then it'll do something, Right. These are things. These are automated steps that you can set up, and with along with your programmer. I don't. I don't know that that's going to be great for integration into Crestron. And here's the reason why: the fact that it, it that that both of them have native skills. In other words, the speech patterns of of people who are interfacing with these. The the fact that you have to remember a, another an extra two or three words may become mm-hmm. a stumbling block. The, the native part of Alexa, the fact that my 8- and 10-year-old and Jason's kids, you know, five minutes in, 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 into me unboxing Alexa, my kids were fighting over it, right? Because it, it, it's, so, it's so intuitive. Where they get stuck is when they have to do something outside of the Amazon ecosystem, right? If they want to um, the, interface with one of the games or interface with, with uh, the Nest or interface with something else... And they have to remember that, oh, yeah, I have to say these certain words. That's a stumbling block for adoption, honestly. So Mm -hmm. what's going to happen is, in my opinion here, is that the more native you can make it, the more native speech you can make it, the more successful it's going to be. And that's kind of what I was getting at, was at what point, essentially, how much are dealers going to, when they start talking about selling you know, the, the control four integration or the, you know, the Crestron integration or even the Lutron integration, how much uh, of that information are they going to have to express to the client so that the client does not get frustrated trying to tell a light to turn on by saying it's dark in here and nothing happens. Well, you, you just, you, it's education, right? You, you tell them, you know, going in now um, for the Crestron and, and control four, you can personalize to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You can say, you know, because um, they all have lighting scenes and they all, you know, have groups and stuff like that. You can say, you know what, how, how do you want to tell the kitchen to turn on? You say, right. okay, Alexa, turn on the kitchen lights. Okay. Or do you want to say, Alexa, turn on the kitchen? Um, the, uh, one of the nice little automation pieces, uh, and again, I'm a big control guy, um, is it, both of them had the example of Alexa, good night, Right. Where Alexa interfaces again with with your given control system, locks the doors, lowers the shades, turns off all the lights, you know this, that, and the other, and, and you know sings your kumbaya on, on from Spotify. Um, things like that are already starting to be built in, so I can see a day when eventually you can tell Alexa natively, Alexa, I'm cold, and have mm-hmm. those automation pieces put you know put into place. Now, one of the thing that this article talked about. Uh, just kind of getting past the the echo side of things was their Z-Wave support. Uh, Jason, now that they're you know announcing true integration with Z-Wave, 
is this just an expansion of their, uh, you know, obviously their ecosystem, or is this a, a big step in the right direction because they're now getting proper feedback and and all the two-way control natively as if that Z-Wave, that third-party Z-Wave device is one of their built-in devices. Yeah, and Z-Wave uh, announced at the show a dealer toolkit <clears throat> that dealers can use to monitor the network um, also. So now we're seeing, you know, there are so many trends. We could we could be on this call for like five hours, guys, and never get into all the trends that were, that were at the show. But that whole monitoring of the network is... Mm-hmm. Um, another big trend that was coming out of the show. And in fact, at the very bottom of that article, what what I think ultimately may be even more important than the Alexa announcement was uh, the last couple of paragraphs that Julie's article talked about the uh, control for and the foresight uh, service plan deal that currently most integrators package the first year. <clears throat> then when it comes time to have to resell that service, in the subsequent years, they haven't done so well because mm-hmm. most integrators are not very successful at selling service. <clears throat> and Control 4 announced, guess what, guys? You don't have to sell Foresight anymore. Now we are going to sell it directly to your customers for you mm-hmm. and kick you back uh, the same commission fee that you're going to make as if you had sold it. The Control 4 integrators I talked to at the show are ecstatic about that. Because they're, again, they struggle with selling service fees. So now they're still going to get the same cut of revenue that they were getting. But look at it from Control 4 standpoint now. They have just turned this company from a company that's 100% dependent on the integrator Mm -hmm. to creating a recurring revenue stream with consumers directly to them. Brilliant. Well, and I think they're they're taking it a step further. We've been been being barbed bombarded for the last couple of CDs and, and even at Infocom um, by all the manufacturers telling us and encouraging us as dealers that you've got to get RMR going. And this is, and I may be wrong on this, but this is the first company I've seen that is, you know, kind of saying, hey, you need to get your RMR in place and we're going to help you do it. We're going to find a way to renew these people and kick you back. It, Am I wrong in in seeing that, or are they? Are yeah, they I mean, they're potentially there's, the there's, first ones. There's a, uh, as far as I know, they're the first ones who are saying we're. I, I would, I guess, expressalarm.com might mm, be okay. one that is doing that already, <clears throat> um, and and that they are have a direct relationship with the customer also, and then they remit a feedback to the integrator. Right. Okay. Um, but you look at, uh, you know, there was, uh, Ihiji has has. Um, with its Envision platform, mm-hmm. yeah. is really been pushing guys to get to this into the service business. Uh, there was a, a launch of a, a system called um, Integrator Service Desk by a company called One Vision Resources, where they will actually become the um, the service support function for uh, integrators. And again, remitting uh, the integrator sells their service. There's a there's a share fee. Um, Snap AV with the Oversee Pro mm-hmm. uh, launch announcement at the show. So. This whole managed services category is finally coming to fruition, and I think it's going to um, – these guys are finally learning that, that the alarm model that has been so successful yeah. for so many years can work to a certain extent in the custom integration market. No, that's very true. Um, I've got one last question for, for the panel. Um, leading into this show, there was a lot of 
Skittlebug about Sonos. Mm-hmm. They were getting direct uh, integration with Control 4 and Crestron and Lutron and a couple other partners. But then the all the Alexa stuff came out. And that kind of seemed to to kill it for 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 Sonos. They they did not have the the buzz that everybody else did with Alexa. Is that something that will hurt them in the long run? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think that that I mean, it, it, trade shows are weird, right? Um, you, you've got you know, you've got announcements that typically won't have a, happen a day or two beforehand. The news cycle, at least in our industry, is. Um, it's pretty static. You 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 know you you things happen and then you you have a two or three day lead time. Um, me personally, again, I come from programming. I come from from automation. I, I hooked on to Alexa as holy cow. You know you've got all these things, and it was something that came kind of out of left field, right? Mm-hmm. Sonos was one of those things that that at least from the people that I was talking to. Was coming eventually. People, you know, hey, just hang on. That the the, the Amazon Echo thing just really kind of you know took me by surprise. And then, like Jason said, you had all these other folks who were already doing uh, pretty good, pretty pretty good voice control. So yeah. the fact that that this is a, a segment and a technology that honestly, this was kind of the cedia that where where voice control kind of came into its own a, as a good viable option uh, in, in the residential. So that hits that whole thing of, is that something that, because obviously Sonos had it, is that something where... But not really. I mean, they, here's the thing. Sonos well, didn't, that's, that's, that's what I mean. Is They didn't announce anything big. They weren't flashy with it. They were flashy with these other integrations that then got lost. I just, got uh, lost. They were busy. A, I mean, they, they, were not, they were not hurting. No, no, no. Trust I'm me. sure they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they have a white sub now. Well, yes. So there's that. It, it just, I, I guess it's one of those things where for the last couple of years, you know, we've gone to Cedia and we've kind of known what was coming. Everybody kind of has that expectation of someone, somebody's showing this, somebody's showing this, somebody's going to announce that. This year, we kind of expected all of that and expected a lot of push. Uh, or at least I did from from Sonos with some of their new integration because they've been so standoffish with that. And we've talked about it for two or three shows now um, about some of the stuff that they're doing. And then again, just as I said, voice control came out and it just, everything got lost. I just, I find it very interesting. But yeah, I don't think, I don't think ultimately it's going to uh, affect Sonos at all. No. Yeah. And I think five years from now, or maybe even less, we'll we can we'll look back at this uh, conversation and maybe even laugh a little bit about how, what a big deal we were making about voice control because ultimately, <laughs> it's all about the sentient home, the sense, the, the home that senses you with uh, you know facial recognition cameras and sensors and is linking directly to your social media and accessing. Uh, movies that you've seen and that I've seen. I mean, it's going to be so, um, this will be passe five years from now. Right. Very true. All right, gentlemen, that is all the time we have this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Jason, where can people connect with you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason W. Not, and of course, uh, see me on com. Excellent. Again, thanks so much for being here. Brooks, I hope you enjoyed your time. 
I did. I enjoyed it. It's a great time. Thanks for having me. Where can uh, people connect with you? Where can they find a little bit more about iPoint? Yeah, iPointSolutions.net is the best place to go. It's uh, all our information is on there. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here. Tim, where can can people find you? Uh, On social media, it's TD, Tim David Albright. Um, that's, uh, I guess the, the best way to find me or, or here at aviation.tv. Beautiful. Uh, for myself, you can always find me at, uh, Matt D Scott on Twitter or pretty much, uh, that anywhere else on any social platform, but more importantly, please stop by aviation.tv. You'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows that cover all the other verticals that we, uh, we cover when you do visit the site, please make sure you check out our underwriters. Uh, We're extremely thankful for their support, and we ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching this episode of Resi Week.